yeah, you guys, I'm here all by my lonesome. And they were playing a tournament in Bruce's backyard with uh, John Donaldson, Steven Sirk. Anybody else famous in the backyard today? Uh, Vinay Bot. Vinay Bot was there. Oh, man. GM House reunion going on. Yeah. Chloe asked me, like, why is Jesse not at the tournament? I was like, I don't know. He's not going to, like, fly across the country on one week's notice when he's got two young kids. I would have come. You would have? I would have come. <laughs> we'll invite you for the next one for sure. We'll invite you for the next one for sure. This we organized just, like, in one week. Um, yeah. And I'm really lucky that it worked out, I guess. Yes, it was good. There were some environmental difficulties. <laughs> Some yeah wind. <laughs> yeah we played in my yard there was wind there was sun it was you know there were dogs yeah. uh, at one point the squirrels were going crazy then the birds went crazy yeah birds went crazy birds went totally bananas <laughs> um, but anyway on um, today we're going to talk to you about something far less wholesome than birds and squirrels and trees uh chess drama chess twitter yeah we may sometimes seem like slightly above it because we try and like be so like educational and stuff, but all three of us are quite interested in it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Although we should start <laughs> off with, um, I guess, why we're doing this show. Like, what is our, what is our goal here? Mm. Just to like discuss, call everyone out, offer suggestions. My goal is the same as the goal of many people on Twitter themselves, I think, which is to vent. <laughs> and then criticize venting so that's that's my two part okay so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna vent about venting hopefully offer yeah. some constructive criticism yeah i have a slightly different take on it um i feel like uh you know like with politics i don't ever write about politics on any kind of social media because it encourages the screamers and I don't want to do anything with screamers. It just takes too much of my energy away. But what I was thinking about, it's actually interesting with all of these dramas, when you go down through the list, we'll get a chance to talk about, is that I think even though people are screaming at each other, the thing that they're screaming about, when you dig a little deeper into it, is usually something that's actually kind of interesting. Okay, so that's my claim. That's my thesis, if you will. That even though the screaming itself is usually kind of puerile and senseless, uh, the thing that's setting them off, there's some, there is something interesting about it. And talking about why it's interesting is what, what I'm hoping will be interesting about our, our show today. Or at least that's what's interesting to me about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see some of those things come to the surface as we go topic to topic. Our first topic is congratulatory tweets, um, awesome or lame. So that's when somebody does something like, mm -hmm. let's say they qualify for the world championship match or they become the youngest GM in history. And then random people who don't know them just send out some tweet like, good job, dude, I don't know, like fantastic tournament. Yeah. Thoughts? I'm all for it, dude. I'm all for it. I don't have any problem with that. And and I I guess this is we have an inner dojo dispute because Mr. Proust doesn't like it. <laughs> we sent out a tweet about making 10k uh, followers or subscribers on YouTube. That's that's self-congratulatory like, tweets. That's coming up. That's coming up now. Anyways, I don't have any problem with any of it. It's it's sometimes uninteresting. So if you're going to do that, it's hopefully do it as a joke or come up with something insightful at the same time to say. But um, 
especially if it's a milestone in your life. I don't have any problem with it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool. I mean, it's just like good, like community building. There definitely, there's definitely a sense of just like, like, hey, look at me. I'm also excited for this. <laughs> yes, that's the um, thing. I not only think it's like lame, and you're like talking about something that has nothing to do with you, but it's like almost depending on the person. It's sometimes like they're trying to make it partly about them, right? Yeah. Like they'll be like, congratulations to you know Nepo on qualifying for the world championship. Uh, and you know, notice that in round six, he played some like opening that I like once made a course about on chessable, <laughs> you know? And it's like, dude, just, well, uh, that's just me. We get a lot of that dude, when, up. when a young player has an accomplishment, if they've worked with like lots of coaches, we got a lot of coaches. I kinda, like, yeah. <laughs> congrats to my former student. Like, so, and so, yeah. Uh, then at least they know them. There's a reason why they're congratulating them. Oh, I, I view those tweets usually as more like, oh, I coach this person. Yeah, That's yeah. what they're trying to say. That may, be the, that may be the thrust. But I, I have less of a problem with somebody congratulating somebody they know mm -hmm. than somebody they don't know. I mean, I'll still find it like crass if it's very much about promoting their own product in some way, maybe. But like if somebody you know like had yeah. a good accomplishment, you might genuinely be like, oh, I was so happy to see. Like, like if I had tweeted last week that I was really happy to see Sam do well mm -hmm. at the tournament um, that he just won, right? Like, that would have been genuine. I actually was really happy about it. Yeah. yeah I but, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't even do that. But, <laughs> but, but it would be okay to, like, be like, oh, I'm really happy to see this, right? But when it's just, like, somebody you have nothing to do with, why? Mm. Well, maybe they're just, they're just fans. I'm okay with fans. fans. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are really rooting for like Geary to win the candidates or MVL or mm -hmm. you know so many folks, and yeah, they just want to see their fans, their fans win. Okay. Yeah, fans, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't have a huge problem with this. I just think it's kind of lame. As as Jesse at least admitted to, often these tweets are really boring to read. Like, mm -hmm. who wants to read them? Yeah. yeah. Um, but okay, let's let's continue the, on to the, the worst topic. thing. Yeah. Not the worst. Yeah. No. <laughs> not the worst. Actually, maybe maybe just from my own personal consumption standpoint. I feel like one of the reasons, the main reason I stopped using Facebook was it turned from a platform where people were telling me interesting stuff that was going on in their life or maybe stuff they had read, uh, stuff they were thinking about to a platform for like, this is my company and this is what we're doing. And it's just like, or this is my political point of view. This is my tribe. And then it was just over for me. I wasn't interested anymore, you know? And so that's what I, yeah, that's what I mean by the tweet. That's just like, oh gosh, no. <laughs> I don't want to read. I, I'm already forced to read ads, so it don't make me read anymore. <laughs> now it's ads written by your acquaintances. Awesome. That's right. Yeah. Um, next topic: Nepo on the youngest GM record, right? Nepo, uh, basically, right on the day or day after that, uh, Abhimanyu Mishra. I uh, got this record for the youngest grandmaster. Mm -hmm. uh, while other people were sending these lame congratulatory tweets that were boring me, Nepo at least didn't bore us. He suggested revising the way that um, norms are regulated in some way. Right. And, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly seen by many people as a dig at uh, the accomplishment rather than a congratulation. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of this one? What did What did you think, Jesse? <laughs> um, you know, I I think the interesting thing about it is that 
Let me put it in a parallel universe for a second. So when I was a kid, there weren't that many people who were PhDs. And so when I was a kid, the idea of, you know, getting a PhD was like this huge accomplishment. By the time I got my PhD, everybody had a PhD, or at least, you know, not everybody, but a lot more people, like a lot, lot more people. And so when I think about the number of GMs, say, in the United States when I was a kid, it was very little. It was very little. And now, you know, funnily enough, I didn't realize it, but I became a GM the same year that Nepo did. <laughs> And so when you think about it, like 2007, if you account for rating inflation or depending on how you feel about rating inflation, right, you're going to say that was harder than it is now. And even then, I'll say 2007, if you, those people looking at me get, becoming GM who had become a GM in like 1990, they were looking at me and being like, dude, you know, give me a break. Back in 1990, it was really hard. So if you want to, you can even make like a, a stamp, you know, like a GM and then the year you got it as a level or indicator of how hard it was. And I think the interesting thing at stake here is that even though it's always been kind of corrupt, there's always been a suspicion of corruption and how these norm events were done and everything. And there was that dig, which was maybe unnecessary. The interesting part about it, right, is like, You've get all these GMs out there and they feel slighted when they're super GMs, rightly so. Like the super GMs are a level beyond me, but for the general public who doesn't know the difference, the general public thinks, oh, Cry's a GM and Nepo's a GM and they're kind of in the same league. And Nepo's like, no, dude, no, <laughs> this, this kid. Get him away from me. This kid, you know, playing 2,400 GMs, not in the same class. You know, so there's a feeling. I think what's interesting about it, right, is chess has always had a hierarchy and a belief that the upper level players are somehow on another league and different people have different buy-ins to that. And it's changed with the computer. But um, that's ultimately what's being upset and I think a lot of these controversies are ultimately about that, how you feel about the hierarchy, how you feel about these young kids. And, you know, was it rating inflation? What's going on? Was, yeah, all this sense of like them taking something away from either the system or the glory of the game or their own glory. A lot of these disputes, I think, are ultimately about that. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. I mean... I don't. I haven't seen anyone who's against the idea of adding, uh, like a super GM title, because like unofficially, mm -hmm. we already think of the the twenty seven hundred guys as like super GMs, mm -hmm. um, and anyone in the know like understands that yeah, someone who's above twenty seven hundred, different class than someone who's like twenty five or or twenty six hundred. Um, so, I think I agree with what Nepo is saying generally in that like some of these norm events, they're like norm factories. They're just like designed. To produce norms and people write stories about how like you know when you're uh, asked to play in these events as like a titled player you're not supposed to do too well <laughs> you're not supposed to like like if you win all your games like they like they won't invite you back uh for the future and so there, there are these events that like invite players that you know they're hoping aren't going to um crush all the norm seekers because they don't want norms to happen because then more people play in their tournaments what this has to do with mishra though I, I just don't understand. That's why I thought Nepo's tweet just like super poorly timed, super unfair. 
Mishra is not the only kid who got norms uh, in Budapest. There are many people before him that did. Uh, many people who got norms in other places where the norm is like essentially bought. Like Budapest might be a quote, like easy place uh, mm-hmm. to get a norm, which I still don't fully buy because like, I mean, math is math. Like you still need a 2600 performance. So if the players that are playing these events are like losing all their games, eventually they're not going to be at a rating where you can get a GM norm against them, right? Mm-hmm. So these players still have to keep their their rating. Um, there are other places where, uh, I mean, there are like, you know, rumors and stories where you can go and literally pay to get a norm. People will throw their games to you. And, and that's happened. There's been like accusations, like I don't want to, you know, like name names, but recently that like Nigel Short tweeted about Karyakin, like his last game was apparently very suspicious, basically gifted mm-hmm. a draw um, in the last round to get the title. Well, he replayed a game that hadn't gone his way. Like he, oh, is that what happened? He replayed yeah, it. According, according to the article. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, the guy who gave him the point had said this himself. Yeah, it was the guy. Right? right, exactly. So and he said, yeah, he'd like played the game and he'd like beaten him. And then they're like, oh, this isn't OK. We need to replay the game, please. And he said, OK. So that happened 18 years ago. And now Nepo is saying it like when this kid, Mishra, wasn't even born when Karyakin made uh, GF, uh, as if it's as if this kid is like the one that took advantage, the one that like found the loophole. Um, so right. the timing, I thought, was really, uh, really questionable. And I just want to say, I played a number of events in Budapest. I never got a norm in Budapest. <laughs> And that was very difficult. And I, most tournaments, no one got a norm. I mean, it wasn't like the standard thing, like somebody's walking away from a norm here. No, you had a bunch of very, those, those events are so hard because you have a bunch of people who want to get norms and they're going to be hungry. And then playing against them is really tough. Really tough. Yeah. Um, I, I, I disagree with almost everybody about the timing of Nepo's tweet. Like, he tweeted at a time when, like, the topic had, like, come to mind because of a current event. Like, something happened, and then he thought about mm-hmm. it and, like, tweeted about it. Like, to me, that's logical. If I have, like, a thought, I'm not going to wait two weeks to forget it, to tweet it. That's not what Twitter's about. Uh, that's fair. But he really, really should have said something like, not to take anything away from Mishra. Sure. Or, like, yeah, just, like, true. congratulations to the kid. Oh, um, not congratulations. <laughs> there's so many... <laughs> So many cordial ways to to express, you know. What, of course, what he was to. clearly singling out Mishra. I'm okay with that. And he and and I agree with Kosia that he could say something like, "I'm not trying to like insult this kid in particular or anything like that." But certainly, you know, maybe we should, you know, and then whatever his opinion is, right or wrong, about about yeah, norms mean, and tournaments, which he could be wrong about, right? But. Well, it's just not, it's not just Mishra. That's why I think it's unfair. It's like yeah. not just this kid. Yeah. And if people say, why not? Like, you know, why didn't he say anything about um, Karyakin? I mean, like when Karyakin made his like title, Nepo was like a little kid. What was, he wasn't on Twitter. What, you well, know, like as far then. as just timing, like what's he supposed to do then? Right. But, I mean, well, yeah, like he should, <laughs> I feel like it's just, he's kind of like missing that. Like, you know, there's others that have also benefited and. So that's why it's yeah. just, I don't know, it doesn't seem right to just target Mishra when, yeah, like his own Olympic teammate also benefited from these same events. And uh, so yeah. it's just like, I don't know, yeah. just kind of ignoring that. To me, it's just when it occurred to him and he said it and it was fine. I mean, have you seen like the tournaments that Mishra played in? Like it, it, it could be mentioned, like 
first of all, you play like the same guys, like, like again and again. And some of them are like 78 years old. And those guys aren't easy, man. I played those guys. <laughs> those guys aren't easy. I mean, and they're, and they're like old GMs that used to be 2,600 and are now like 2,450. Yeah. This guy and this is not easy. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I just want to add is this footnote to this, that, uh, I have my own problems with Nepo and, you know, one of the things that's interesting is usually I don't find a necessary correspondence to the way someone is in life, uh, and how they play chess. But what you definitely see with Nepo is like, uh, an, an impulsiveness that you see also a lot of times in his chess moves. It'll go with his gut without thinking too long on something. And I think we're going to see that in his match against Carlson as well. And sometimes, you know, it's, it can be a very dangerous thing that he unleashes kind of like this. It's kind of like, Oh, now we're dealing with a little firestorm here, yeah. you know, same way he plays chess. It's like a, an acceptance of risk as well. Uh, that's goes into the way he plays. So I think we're, we, we, I think we'll talk probably about a second controversy who's involved in as well, but it's, that was the same thing, just something off the top of his head and sure. Let's roll with it on Twitter. Let's see what happens. You know, I'll say this. I've got more of a problem with how people responded to him than with what he said. I agree with Kostya that he could have said, like, I'm not trying to like insult a kid, but this made me think of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's fine I, I think the timing's okay I, I i usually put in phrases like that myself when i say things but the response to nepo and to a couple other gms who voiced the same opinion as him but they were vastly outnumbered right mm-hmm. but the response was like oh you're just jealous like hundreds of people claiming he's jealous of somebody rated like 2500 when he's the world championship challenger like i that, nepo's that jealous I, of everyone i don't understand like how <laughs> How could he be jealous? It it does it doesn't make sense. And well, Nepo didn't make GM until he was like seventeen, man. Right. So he's not yeah. about like the early records or anything like that. Oh, um, he is. He's upset that he didn't get it. I don't. And he's <laughs> upset. Like honest, he finished man. behind like five thousand other people in this competition. That would be like me being mad that I didn't win the Boston Marathon last year that I didn't participate in, <laughs> and that like five thousand people finished ahead of me in. No, like, he, you know, that, that, that youngest GM, it's like a, it's like a measure in these guys' minds of talent. what chess talent is. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and I think I a think, lot of those, do you think a that, lot of those, well, I was just gonna say a lot of those Russian guys like Nepo, I think in his mind, he didn't have the resources to go to all those tournaments. And it might seem to the outside world that Russians get to play in all these events, but no, these events are hard to organize. They cost money. And I just got a question, would I take some, uh, an appearance fee? And of course you have to give the GM some kind of money, just if nothing else to cover their travel, you know, just traveling to an event, staying in a hotel, all this stuff, it costs money. So you got to like, you know, yeah, there's an outlay that has to be made. Even if you're in Russia, there's a thousand GMs that also want to play, you know? But let me ask you, Jesse, do you think that Nepo is jealous? Uh, Yeah, there's a certain, like, this kid isn't on my level. And, uh, all these kids aren't on my level. I made it at 17, but that's, that doesn't, you know, it was unfair that I wasn't there Mm -hmm. at 12 or 13. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Because I sometimes have these kind of like, I see some news and I have some kind of like angry take, like, oh, tournaments should have this time control instead, or oh, like, you know, how could the arbiter make that decision? 
But I feel like it's just like a me who wants chess to be running smoothly kind of like take, you know, it's just like you're in the chess world all your life. You're watching it. And when like stuff is done in a way that you don't like, you just like get emotional. I don't think it's like always because well, it's touching you personally. Put it this way, like uh, Nepo knew Carlson when he was 12. When Carlson was 12, the whole world knew that he was going to be a world championship contender. Everybody knew it was obvious. Yeah. You know, and so that's what we're talking about, whether you confer it with the dignity of a GM title at 12 kind of achievement or not. It's like you see somebody like that coming through the ranks and you're like, oh, yeah, that kid's going to do it. And I would say by the time Bobby was 15, people had the same sense, you know. Yeah, there now could we, be some yeah. some uh, jealousy stemming from that because Nepo like famously beat Carlson in like the world under twelve or under fourteen. Right, right. And then I guess actually I'm surprised knowing that that he didn't so make he took GM five more until, years to make GM. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah. I don't I don't see him as as jealous. My problem with the response is like it, it's like all or nothing. I think and and this is just a problem with I think just general Twitter and the internet. It, it's like multiple things can be true. Like Nepo can have a very valid point about the norm system and express it in like a bad way. Like both of those things can be true, uh -huh. mm -hmm. but it seems like is it's either Nepo's hundred percent right. And you can't criticize this tweet at all, or he's hundred percent wrong. Like the norm system is totally fine. It's like, it can't be elements of both. And I just think someone should have responded with a tweet about whether or not they agreed or disagreed about how norm should be run, you know, as opposed to like, you're jealous. It's just, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a silly response, and it happened with like Pog Champs too. When you was like, yeah. criticizing, yeah, right. you're just jealous you're of jealous of the one thousand as champs. well. So of course, <laughs> you could be jealous of Mishra. On, um, yeah, I, I feel like people are like piling on, just like trying to like annihilate some other person online for no reason. Maybe they're like jealous that they're not GM, so they want to like you know win an argument <laughs> against the GM online, but they're not even arguing. People just definitely like, like to pile on. Yeah, when when something happens and there's there's like a clear villain i feel like everyone just wants to get their their thing in like with the compliment pile yeah there's like an attack pile right even if i agreed that he were jealous if i saw that 10 other people had already posted he was jealous i wouldn't tweet that he was jealous because it's already been said but you see like a hundred people in a row like thought like oh, i'm gonna say that too yeah it happened with the um, the chess.com, uh, the cheating sign with Vishya Nan. Mm -hmm. It was like literally a thousand people had this this take that cheating is bad. Like a thousand yeah. people had to right. express, like, oh, <laughs> cheating is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. I'll just find one tweet that I agree with and like it, and then I'm done. Huh? Yeah. Next topic. Ooh. <laughs> Self-congratulatory tweets. I don't know which of my of my colleagues I'm insulting with this, but we posted a tweet at some point when we hit 10,000 right, followers it. or subscribers <laughs> on YouTube. And it was like, yay, we made 10,000, like looking forward to 100,000 or something like that. Now, I've blocked one person on Twitter hmm. total. And it was somebody who posted self-congratulatory tweets all the time. Now, in real life and in person, I like them, like you. I mm -hmm. like you in person in real life. And... I, I like this person and I was suffering seeing their tweets every day um, because I really hate self-congratulatory tweets. You guys can disagree with me, of course, in a second. Um, I was suffering and suffering. So finally, I just had to like block this person, even though it's not like I don't like them. Mm -hmm. I had to block them. And then for like three days, I felt this like peace and calm until all my other 
people that I follow on Twitter started retweeting their tweets and their tweets came back at me even though I'd blocked them. So I'm still like choking in a sea of self-congratulation. I, I guess it's just like how I was like the cultural whatever around me when I grew up. But when I grew up, like you say good things about other people, but you don't like say good things about yourself. You wait for someone else to say something good about you if there's something good to be said. Okay, so I'll, I'll defend it. I, yeah. I wrote the tweet <laughs> and I actually thought it was pretty mild as far as self-congratulatory tweets I go. Um, I think this is a trend. I puked harder. I think this started on like Facebook and Instagram. Now I notice whenever anyone gets like a new job or into a school, they're yeah. like, I worked so hard for this. I can't believe it. You know, I just like want to thank everyone and my family uh -huh. and friends for all the support. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to write a very short thing. You know, like we made 10K subs. That was our goal on YouTube. We're mm -hmm. going to keep going. The point of that one was not to congratulate ourselves. Actually, it yeah. was to uh, number one, uh, build community spirit because okay. I think the community takes pride correctly in the do uh, the growth of dojo mm -hmm. um, because like I mean we wouldn't be able to do it if people weren't like sharing our stuff and, and and recommending us to friends and like watching and liking our videos and this kind of thing so I do want like the community to feel like it's a group achievement not just something that like uh, we've done mm -hmm. um, secondly I think it's just good for growth like if you hear that some stream or channel just hit some milestone and people are like excited about it I think you're more likely to actually go go check them out so mm -hmm. really it was just a straight up business decision nothing to do with <laughs> i congratulate myself all the time just not just not publicly that's fine yeah that's fine <laughs> you should be happy and proud of what you've of what you've done on your own i think it's good to have like some self some self-love jesse your thoughts i you know honestly i feel like me and david grew up in a different time and you didn't do it and it's part of this new generation. And honestly, we should be following Coast and doing more of it. For example, every time I stream, I don't do the thing where I'm like, oh, give me a follow, please. You know, or if I'm doing it, I'm really forcing myself to do it. Same yeah. thing with the YouTube videos. And it's like, it's kind of become custom and we need to do more of it, man. We need to do more of it. And as a, as a comparison, I remember when Levy posted this tweet of like, oh, I've got a hundred thousand or something. Or maybe it was even recently, it was like a million YouTube subscribers. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? And it was, first of all, it was interesting. And second, it was all, it was like, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but that's a major achievement. That's a huge achievement. Man. And that took work. And when you think about the, our YouTube channel, like I've put in some work, Ghost has put in much, much more. And it's like, oh man, no, that's it. This has been a process. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a lot. It's been a grind. I just think yeah. if it's that, if, if, it, if it is an achievement, somebody else is going to mention it, right? If you really have a million fans, like one of them is going to say like, like, I was so happy to see that you hit like a million followers, like congrats, like good work. And then you can just like tweet back like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're good. Uh, shout out to DM, by the way, also, who's very yeah. much helped us with, with YouTube and Twitch and everything. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to congratulate DM for his country. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. I have proved completely. Um, all right. Next All right, let's do the next yeah. one. <laughs> okay. All right. Gatekeeping. 
So, mm-hmm. and I originally titled this gatekeeping or thought keeping, right? Because my question is, you know, are guys like Nepo or Feingold gatekeeping with their comments about pog champs or are the people dogpiling on them like thought keeping by basically punishing you anytime you give your opinion about something? Right. Yeah. Great topic. Um, so let me, let me start this one because I feel like this started with Ben Feingold last year when he made this, um, he had this rant on one of his streams, how he was kind of, not upset, but he was just like, he was confused why Naka was uh, collabing with all these people who aren't really chess players, but like very popular streamers, mainly um, XQC, who's like a video game guy. And he was saying like, you know, Naka's one of the best players in the world. He should be focusing on his chess or collabing with like Carlson and Geary and like the other top players. And uh, well, basically that was just like clipped by someone. It was put on Reddit and then it went like mega viral. And then like Hikaru responded to it. Um, And and yeah, Ben Feingold was just branded as a a gatekeeper because now like he doesn't think, you know, if if you're high rated, you should be able to stream or he doesn't think like if you're high rated, you should be able to play. It was like totally, totally uh, ridiculous. but I guess the real harm was that, like, it got so bad, like, he and his wife were, like, getting, like, death threats, like, online death threats. People were so upset that he said anything about uh, XQC that, uh, I mean, like, he had to, like, shut down his YouTube comments because they were just getting, like, spammed with, like, hate mail. He had to, uh, like, yeah, shut down his stream for a little bit. Uh, the consequences of of his, like, funny little rant, which was mostly funny, by the way, people were, like... They, they didn't think, they didn't realize it was funny. He was calling the guy QVC and they didn't realize he's like joking. Mm-hmm. Um, the consequences were way worse than like anything, anything he said or uh, expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I found that like really, really ridiculous, especially because Feingold, like he's been teaching for years. He's probably brought like more people like into chess and like given them lessons like over the years. Uh, than than almost any other streamer out there. So the claim is that he's a gatekeeper who also ushers lots of people through the gate. Yeah, I mean, literally opened a club in Atlanta, which didn't have like a huge chess mm-hmm. scene. That's now like, I mean, I'm assuming like a pretty, was a pretty successful club. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, no, he's just jealous of XQC and he's jealous of Hikaru. That's, <laughs> that's what people think. Right. <laughs> Well, and, and Nepo was too. And the um, thing that's spicy about that was because it was interesting. It was like all of a sudden, and it's still happening to a certain extent, but I remember when that Pog Champs thing was rolling, it was really intense because there was elite tournaments happening at the same time. No one was watching the elite tournaments. They were all watching these people. And um, I think there's a number of interesting things going on. Um, one of them was obviously guys like Nepo were like, wait, look at me. <laughs> look at me, man. Don't look over there. Look at me. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that's really kind of interesting is that people who were entering the game couldn't understand. And for the most part, this applies even to me sometimes, couldn't understand the moves these super GMs were making. And instead found it far more identifiable to be like, oh, this person's on an improvement path. Let me watch them and let me see what they're doing. And um, I, that whole move, that's turned into a movement 
that's a social media thing. We see that on Twitter a lot with a lot of self-congratulation of like, oh, I studied two hours tonight and then tonight and then <laughs> people will be like, all right, bro, nice, you're gonna do it again tomorrow. And that's new. And for my own teaching, you know, I found that I'm not interested. I'm interested in people. I get a lot of, I get more re requests each than that time. And it, I only really want to do it if someone pitches me their own quest. They could be 1100 or 2200. In a lot of ways, it doesn't matter. I want, I want the quest. It's the quest that interests me as a teacher. And I want them to be full on, like, let's go, you know, let's go for it. And then it becomes interesting. And that's why PogChamps was kind of compelling. And, you know, you think about Nepo. What is he going to give a 25 point jump? That's I think that's the most that guy's ever going to get right now. And where Carlson is just maintenance. He's not going to go any much higher. You know, the only way he's going higher is if there's rating inflation. So it's not like we're going to see big movement. We still might see, a, I'm hoping we're going to see a big battle. Honestly, I think Nebo is just going to get crushed. But in any case, right, uh, we, we're not going to see the growth in those guys that we saw in the Pog Champs. And it was like, oh yeah, that's what we're interested in. That turned me on to it too. It's like, as a fan, that's what I'm interested in too. We see that on our channel, on the dojo. We got all kinds of people making gains here. Check this out. Here's Nepo's tweet. What, what stands out about this tweet is that he has one of those polite phrases he before started. he goes on the offense. He mm -hmm. says, with all respect towards Chesscom and amount of work they put into promoting chess. So he's not trying to crap on all their efforts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he does know how to put a phrase like that. Yeah. Although he does know how to write one. He still got piled on. Unfortunately, it didn't help him. It I didn't help him at all as far as getting piled on. But he did put that phrase in. And then he says, Pog Champs as a popcorn stuff is replacing and displacing any real chess content. And this is just terrifying. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this one. Actually, I went live after this to, to defend him. I titled uh -huh. the, the stream Leave Nepo Alone. Leave Nepo Alone. <laughs> Because people just started like, like first uh, Hikaru, like I think he did like a live reaction to it. And he was like, "Oh, very disappointing from Nepo." And then like some other streamers were like, "Oh, how could you do this?" And then literally everyone just like quote tweeting with just the yeah, same point. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, how could you say this?" You know, PogChamps is cool. Everyone should be able to play chess. And it's like, yeah, like I mean, you can definitely. Uh, disagree with him but <laughs> i felt bad for the guy <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just non-stop maybe that's why he didn't put the polite phrase anymore he's like they're all gonna pile on me anyway <laughs> <laughs> anything i say <laughs> look if if somebody can't like make a statement like this without getting piled on honestly whatever his other characteristics are i'm impressed that he keeps going with the response <laughs> that he gets this keeps going most people would like give up and i guess he's showing them like what it takes to gatekeep, right? Like they're trying to like keep him from expressing his views. And he's like, look, even if a thousand people dump on you, you can still, <laughs> you can still say what you think. I mean, to be fair though, like, I, I don't think, I mean, I definitely didn't agree with this tweet. I mean, it's really it's like, it's terrifying that PogChamps was popular. Like, honestly, I disagree with them just on the content alone. Like I think PogChamps brought a bunch of people into chess mm -hmm. and they, a lot of them stayed and we got a lot of people from, from PogChamps who, who like kind of started around there and right. it's definitely not um, a bad thing. And it definitely didn't replace any real uh, chess content. Like the, did. I mean, the Magnus tour is still like popular and the candidates was like super exciting. Everyone but it did was replace something. Um, what did it replace? So, 
the Pro Chess League hasn't been played this year because Chess.com's personnel was busy doing Pog Champs, then Crypto Champs, then whatever Champs, then Oh, that's interesting. Etc. Okay. And this was never discussed in like the thread, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and I I think that there is some point to what he said, and certainly something that could actually be discussed. And what drives me crazy about these reactions on Twitter is that nobody ever responds to what the dude's saying. <laughs> you know, they just like dogpile the guy, but like they, like. Imagine if, like, 30 years ago, you could hear what, like, Petrosian thought of, like, how tournaments should be organized, right? Or, mm -hmm. like, imagine if you could, like, live know, like, you know, what Karpov thought of, like, some promising junior from India or blah, 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 right? Like, you would be like, oh, if only we could hear it. Now you get to hear it and people just, like, just, like, don't even engage with what he says. They just jump on him. But that's Twitter, man. That's it. Doesn't have to be just chess. It's any topic. It's going to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Anyway, because there there is a real thing. Like like pog champs may have like grown chess in some way, but there is a question of like growth versus like different kinds of events, right? And um, there are and and what elite event has chess.com organized? In the I last know, just like, like two years, only one. Just like the speech has the championships. speech has championships, right? Yeah. So, given their platform mm -hmm. and their resources and their position during like a pandemic when the game's already growing anyway, regardless of what you do. I mean, and their staff, that so little of their resources were going for like any kind of event like that, could be disappointing certainly to somebody who would be playing in that kind of event. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's fair. That's, it's really interesting. And the other thing, of course, is just like if you organize some kind of event, there has to be prize money, but the streamers will do it for free. The streamers will do it for free. Mm -hmm. You know, they're their own source of income. So, yeah, I hadn't I, did, I hadn't thought about that with the protest league. There was so much going on. I hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> there was no part of my mind that was like, wait a second. <laughs> How come there's no protest league? <laughs> it didn't even occur to me. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I don't think that either of these people is gatekeeping, and I find it like disheartening the way people get like jumped on for saying their opinions. Which you're, I'm fine with people disagreeing with Nepo. I mean, this is honestly this one here is a very, very interesting topic that I don't know the answer to. That could be a whole topic of of a dojo talk or a discussion on somewhere other than Twitter, I guess. But like, you know, how much do you want of different kinds of events? Do you need variety or do you just do the event that has the most draw? Like, you know, does every event need to have like a quest to it? it you know, do we have to be able to see the improvement? Do we, or should every event be super GMs or some events? It could be very, very interesting. And there's just no discussion. Yeah. Well, I think though there is, and it's, it's the draw is ultimately what is going to decide it. That's the discussion. And I think even one of the things they'll say, what's disheartening to me is to me, the biggest game in town is always the world championship. And for Magnus himself, I don't even feel like he's that into it anymore. He's like, Oh, there's these other events going on. He's a little jealous of Hikaru having his stream, you know, <laughs> And then he's got all these business adventures going on at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, and to me, it was just like, well, yeah, just world championship. Yeah. 
let's go. This is it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where your legacy's decided, son. <laughs> Wipe Nepo with <laughs> kill him. <laughs> That's all I'm interested in as a chess bet. But I don't think Magnus sees it that way either, because he sees the draw as being somewhere else. Gatekeeping is one of my least favorite words that's entered the uh, the chess context. Um, I I think it makes not one person was gatekept because of what Nepo or Feingold said. If anything, yeah. they were like Feingold was the one <laughs> they tried to like right. shut down. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's yeah definitely one of my least favorite words that people that people use. Okay. Here's the next one. Responding to a thought with a meme. So here's something that happened to me. You guys can tell me what you think of it. But um, people were going like, like Elon Musk tweeted something with like, with like a chessboard or a something or other, right? And all these people were like, oh my gosh, Elon Musk plus like chess. It's like my dream come true, blah, 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 right? And uh, I responded that, you know, that he's evil and that we shouldn't have any particular desire to have evil people involved in chess. Certainly, it's not like a big deal or a good thing. Somebody asked me why. And, uh, you know, something rarely done on Twitter, perhaps. But I went and, like, found some, like, resources for people to read. Gave them some basic ideas and a couple links. And the response I got to that was a bunch of, like, who hurt you, bro? Or, like, (laughs) can't believe you don't want to grow the game. Or, like, recycled pictures of somebody, like, looking angry and, like, what's wrong with you? Uh-huh. Um, not a single person discussing what I said. I mean, I, I think the solution to this is you just can't, I think you shouldn't take Twitter too seriously. Um, it's just, I just think that's how it is. It's people, uh, there are going to be like more people who aren't taking it seriously. And if you try to have like a serious discussion with someone who like just doesn't care or is just memeing, then you're just going to get frustrated. Right. So Unfortunately, yeah, Twitter is just not the place in my so opinion. So I shouldn't even like put an idea out there no, or you I can. should just, just not um, look at the responses. You should <laughs> you should expect that you'll get some form of uh, feces thrown back at you. Yeah. And because you're expecting it, hopefully it, it doesn't bother you as much because it's just part of the part of the platform. Uh, same thing on Reddit. You know, whenever like one of my videos gets posted to Reddit, there's usually a number of like good comments or like uh, helpful criticism. Mm-hmm. And then there's always a few people that just like, just, just completely dismissive or like they just respond like in just like a really, I don't know, juvenile way. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, just the internet. And uh, I don't think there's any, I mean, children have access to the internet, you know? Yeah. So, you know, but imagine I, you're I having a serious I don't, discussion. I know, I know your like thought experiment, <laughs> like pretend they're a kid and then you'll be okay with it, but. No, I think there are kids that do respond to people. Yeah, but I think, I and think adults that act like kids. Yeah, yeah, but but the same thing. Same, it's just I mean, they weren't. They're not all kids, you know. <laughs> they're all young adults. Young adults. Yeah. I think to a certain extent, like yeah, it points to my basic policy with Twitter and all these social media things. It's like don't engage on a political or tribal level because it's never going to help. No one is ever going to respond to that. And especially if you're posting material, some TLDR, forget about it, buddy. If you want to make a point, then make it in like two sentences at the most. You know, make it funny. 
Um, for, for, you know, when you think about the things that you enjoy on Twitter, it's like somebody posting something beautiful or insightful, or maybe something, if it's a link, it's going to be something that's going to like enlarge my mind, you know, or the chess way to <clears throat> books that I've been turned on to chess books. I've been turned on to through Twitter, for example, or podcasts, that kind of thing. You know, I think that's where it's useful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same thing on YouTube. Yeah. You know, some of our yeah. videos, they just get like, just the dumbest comments, like not worth responding to. And uh, I mean, it's hard to ignore it, but I think that's just, that's just what you got to do if you want to be an online figure. Yeah. But people don't post the same recycled picture of like a dumb face in our YouTube comments. That's true. No, no pictures allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can do what I've started doing. I've just started uh, blocking people. If I've never interacted with someone and yeah. then their first response to me is just something like, a copy insulting paste or, or like yeah a meme or just like a copy paste and they're like yeah. an anonymous account they're not like yeah. an established person i just block them i'm like all right that was that was your first impression horrible <laughs> block <laughs> i see you i see you throw down with people Kosti. you get in there with the weeds tangling with people unfortunately yeah i mean yeah. i i'm it's an addiction you know the online uh, arguing uh, I, I tried to I had to quit Facebook and I, I got better. Did you argue on Facebook? Yeah, I was doing a lot on Facebook. Yeah, with like real people, okay. you know, people with have people like their you, names. People actually had their names and were actually discussing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not discussing, but they did have their <laughs> real names. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was just... So they would throw feces at you and you would still try to explain something or... Um, no, we would go back and yeah. forth. I mean, I, I was no, I'm no saint. I mean, I, I was also <laughs> not like trolling, but, you know, just like making a point while insulting the other person, you know, that was kind of the, um, and it's, uh, it's totally uh, pointless. I think I got a lot better at chess actually when I deleted Facebook off my phone because okay. save time. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, sometimes you just get into it, uh, on, on Twitter. Um, the thing is like, another thing is like, whatever the issue is, somehow the people tweeting about it, they, they make it sound like it's just the most important issue of all time like every one of these mm. controversies there was always like tweets it's just like like so grandiose and just like oh this is a disaster this is a catastrophe morally reprehensible like all these words uh, <laughs> it's yeah. like everything is just like oh my god it's overwhelming yeah anyway i would prefer that people respond to me in like sentences in some kind of <laughs> language all right, our next topic, assumptions and firestorms, mm. Vichy versus fishy, fish, stockfish. Right. Right. So, yeah, we almost did a podcast just on this one story alone. Right. Good. Um, but fortunately, we were in Vegas, or I was in Vegas, and we were just too busy at, at the time. Um, but, uh, okay, people probably remember the... Uh, I hope people remember. People made it sound like it was the biggest story of the decade. Um, <laughs> a recent simul where uh, it turned out three people had, had were closed for cheating against uh, Vichy Anand. And, um, okay, I guess I'll quickly recap the story because maybe people didn't hear about it or don't remember it. Here is the timeline of, of the events. Vichy played this charity simul against uh, a number of Indian uh, billionaires and the point was to raise money for for covid relief in india it was on chess.com and 
And then the simul got a lot of publicity, and then um, it turned out someone beat Vichy in the simul, someone who's rated like 400. Mm. So naturally, people were super suspicious of them, and then you know they looked at the game, people posted the game, and they're like, okay, this guy definitely cheated. So people mm. were just accusing this player. I think it was, yeah, it was Nikhil Kamath um, of cheating, and uh, I mean, yeah, anyone who looked at the game, like I mean, it was like 99% accuracy. He beats Vichy. It's just like, yeah, you don't need chess.com to come in and say like he he was probably cheating. Um, so big controversy over that. Um, and uh, and then in, like the post game interview, he was saying all this like fluff about how like genius he is or whatever. Um, so terrible. And then, like, I think an hour or two hours later, chess.com uh, officially closes his account. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, yay, bravo, chess.com. <laughs> bravo. Then people were looking at the other games, and it was like two other games where the players, who were also rated like four to 600, played suspiciously above their level. They ended up losing, but they were like hanging in there for like 30 moves. And people were like wondering, like, hmm, like, what are, like, did these guys also cheat or like half the game? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think it was like the next day, chess.com closed both of their accounts as well for cheating. Yeah. And then everyone was like, bravo, chess.com, great job. Then the next day, chess.com releases the statement uh, saying that they, they're going to unban all three accounts. Uh, they say that like they have Vichy's permission. These guys were, were confused. They didn't know what they were doing. Actually, I remember tweeting before they unbanned them that I, I personally, I didn't care about the story. I thought it was very silly how, how much, like, this was something that everyone was just, like, dunking on these guys. Like, oh, cheating is wrong. How could you guys cheat? Cheating is the worst thing. Mm-hmm. As if these guys were chess players. My feeling was that these were not chess players, right? I mean, they had barely played any games on the site. Um, they maybe played chess casually they were invited to the simul because of you know their their money and their like celebrity status um and i was thinking like okay one guy probably cheated even if everyone cheated they might not even be aware that like using a computer is cheating they might have been like sitting next to their friend or something and like hey can you help me with this game i don't want to get like crushed by vichy and then their friend is like looking at the engine like oh here go here and they're like okay sure whatever like they might not have any idea Mm -hmm. what they're doing right and it's like as far as cheating cases go I don't care. Like, I care more about, like, the, the GMs that cheat, the title players that cheat, or, like, the amateurs that cheat in, like, prize events and, like, steal money from from players. Like, those are the cases that are, like, deserve the firestorm. You know, like, Rouses and all those other guys. Um, anyway, so chess.com unbans them, and they're like, look, these guys didn't fully understand the rules, and Vichy's not that upset about it, so we're just going to, like, reinstate their accounts. And then uh, the firestorm just, like, shifted towards chess.com <laughs> all of a sudden chess.com doesn't care about cheating if you're a billionaire you're allowed to cheat if you have money you're allowed to cheat all this stuff uh i mean it was uh it was horrifying um and yeah i don't know i i thought it was i thought it was crazy like chess.com literally closes thousands of accounts a month a lot of those are like premium members they lose a lot of money by closing cheaters it's like Clearly, they care about cheating. <laughs> they devoted like a lot of resources into this. Um, and a lot of people don't believe that statement. I've had people say if they really cared about it, they would shut it down. Shut what? Shut all cheating. All down? cheating down. Period. It'd be done. <laughs> it just wouldn't be like, possible. They're like, yes, they do like close some cheaters, but they're not really trying. I've yeah, I want to fight back, Kostya. I got to fight back with what you're saying, though. Oh, buddy. please, please. Okay, so. 
on a, on a recent perpetual chess podcast that I really recommend with James Altucher, he made this interesting point where he's talking about like back in the day, he was really motivated to make 2200 because, and he was working in finance at the time, right? And like this billionaire guy. And the idea was that saying that you were a master player to people in the finance world, and those people don't know the difference between like a master and a grandmaster, that that has cachet. That uh, whether it's true or not, it has a cachet. And that opened, interestingly, he's telling a little life story, right? Like that opened all kinds of doors to him. That he could say this. And the financial people were like, oh, yeah, let's get this guy in. And I remember back in the day that was true, too. Like a bunch of United States GMs got in there. Like the Fermian worked for finance for a while. Anyways, it was like this thing. And when the story came out, you know, I, I knew that part of the thing. And so I knew that what this guy was doing, even though he had already made, he was already a billionaire, he was trying to build that cachet that he knows exists in the financial world, wrongly or rightly, that it exists, but it definitely exists. And so he was BSing himself in this game and us in this game. And then the way it looks, my friends, is that he got in there with chess.com and even got in there with Vichy and being like, hey, Vichy, tell him that it doesn't really matter to you. It has nothing to do with Vichy. Vichy, Vichy shouldn't be consulted on this at all. This has nothing to do with Vichy's opinion about whether it's okay with him, whether they get unbanned or not. Question is, if someone's cheating on chess.com, do you do something about it? And then it looks really bad. It looks really bad that they unban those people. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. It looks bad, but there's a couple of points that I think people um, miss because people in the chat are a little bit confused as well. They're like, well, cheaters should be banned. So um, number one, these were unrated games. And uh, as it turns out, chess.com's policy for unrated games is that, quote, some cheating is, is OK. And what they mean by that is like sometimes like a student is playing against the coach and maybe they're using the engine or two friends are playing an unrated game against each other and they agree to use engines what happens is those accounts get closed, but if they appeal and they kind of explain their side of the story, like, oh yeah, we were both using engines, but like we agreed to that as an unrated game or, you know, whatever, they unban those accounts as well. So the idea that these are the only accounts that chess.com has ever banned is just strictly false. Like that's just not true. Uh, unless chess.com is just like 100% lying, unless they just made that up, but it sounds very mm. plausible. So yeah, these are unrated games in a simul. And then as it came out, two of the guys weren't cheating, at least not like using the engine. Mm. Uh, one guy was, uh, Kamath, the 99% the guy. Um, the other two were like I had kind of envisioned, like just got some help from their friend who's like maybe slightly better than they are. And they were just like trying to give Vichy like a decent game, which in simuls, by the way, like happens all the time. Like I remember I was playing a simul against a bunch of older people and they they had like you know fred like helping them out it was like i didn't care that much because i could beat everyone anyway like it's is like a more casual environment um so to treat this story as like the same like someone compared it to petrosian cheating in like the pro chess league finals to me that was like mind-boggling that that there's like any comparison between like two guys that are just trying to give vichy like a decent game uh, to someone who, okay, presumably like using an engine in like uh, the finals of a major event.
they didn't gain anything by it. They weren't like competing for anything, and they did eventually lose the games to him. Yeah. The uh, there's thing- quite a distinction between what they did and what the billionaire did, though, because Jesse's right that that guy throughout his life has tried to build a narrative about himself being some like chess genius, therefore right. a finance genius. And he knew a little bit more what he was doing and won the game and tried to get away with it and tried to like, you know, claim. I mean, yeah. he was trying to claim he was better than a world champion. He was really trying to claim that. Like, yeah. Oh, I just got Which- such a flash of brilliance. <laughs> Very surprising. Um, and I totally believe, I mean, that guy, terrible person, just like a fraud in chessboard, on the chessboard and in life. Um, but like he was exposed as a fraud. You know, there was a bunch of stories about him cheating. So whether his 400 rated chess.com account is open or not, to me makes no difference. And everyone was so upset that they like unbanned his account that he doesn't use anyway. <laughs> it's like, and I think he fully deserves all the hate he got on social media. And I hope, you know, his companies uh, go bankrupt, lose a bunch of money. But like, what does this have to do with chess.com's like cheating policies? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Nothing. Here's why I titled this topic assumptions, right? Because like it's easy to be like, oh, he's a billionaire. Like he like told Chess.com to like leave him alone, and that's why they like threatened to sue, yeah. threatened to sue, or like paid them off, like something or other. Like it just like plops it plops so easily into a little like narrative. And like I certainly have like negative na- narratives about billionaires in my head. But I think when you don't know stuff, you hear like a like a little piece of a story, and then you jump to these assumptions and assume not just the assumption. Like it could be your theory. You could be like huh, I wonder if, okay, that's fine. But like people were accusing chess.com in all seriousness, as if they knew for sure of doing what a billionaire told them to. And I talked to Dan he said, the billionaire never contacted us. Yeah. Right. He only contacted Anand to apologize to him and try and like, you know, smooth things over with Anand, whether a genuine or not apology, who knows, we didn't listen to it. But I mean, I mean, there were like hundreds of people convinced of this narrative that chess.com had responded to something this guy said to them in private and he had not contacted them. So the other thing about it too, is I want to say like, what is it? All these controversies, right? When there's a firestorm, there's something that there's some issue that's actually important inside of it. And so even if it, we can say it's misguided, which I don't think it actually was all the anger, there's a lot of anger out there. I myself have some of it about the cheating. Yeah. Quick, quick note. When I saw that uh, David Howell posted that people were cheating in his simuls, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so uncool. Yeah. They cheated a simul. Who are you, buddy? Yeah. That is so terrible. And so I hear that. And then, you know, you get a story like this and it becomes a justifiable lightning rod. You know, and we have all kinds of, I think, important lightning rod stories that have to do with, with other uh, other things. Let's say t- take Emmett Till. That wasn't the only guy that was having troubles as a young black kid in the 1950s. But that became the lightning rod story. And with chess cheating, we're going to have lightning rod stories, too. Are they going to be have their distinctions and their assumptions and all of them? Of course. Every story is a little different, but like we, the the public and myself included need some kind of lightning rod to grab onto because honestly, cheating is so massive that it's not like I can play whack-a-mole and hit all the little cheaters now. I can't do it, man. I need to hold one thing in my hand. I can't hold them all. I agree with Jesse on this one that like, 
this one is something where every time a cheating story comes up, it touches a lot of people right. in a way, right? Like, like I disagree about the whole like jealous thing, right? But I think these, all the cheating stories, I think do touch people personally where they're like, oh man, somebody cheated against me. Like, let's like burn this mm. cheater. Yeah, no, I, I think this happens with a lot of issues nowadays where it's like a lot of pent up anger is like built up. And then like the the next person that like does something or like falls into something or like feels like um, they are kind of perpetuating the same thing. It's just like all of that gets like avalanched onto them. Um, so, uh, yeah, which I mean, I think it's kind of unfair for that one person, but yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you can only cry so hard for them if they're, if it's a cheating story, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah. When it comes to cheating, I, I don't really, yeah, yeah I don't care. You're not going to waste your energy telling people to put away their pitchforks. No, I, I'm glad that people kept dunking on, on Kamath. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that that's good. Um, but yeah, trust.com is unbanned. Uh, people who cheated in unrated games before. So it's not like yeah. there was no special uh, treatment there. It's like yeah. something they've done before. On this note, David, let me ask you, because you have more insight into chess.com. Um, <clears throat> we talked earlier about how the Pro Chess League hasn't been reinvigorated, and you attributed that to PogChamps. But isn't it also true that that cheating scandal uh, made it kind of hard? Made it kind of hard for the Pro Chess League to go forward. Mm, I don't know. I mean, the the truth is, I have no clarity about that cheating scandal and how it did or did not impact their their take on the Pro Chess League overall. Um, but they have had cheating before in previous seasons of Pro Chess League and just banned people and kept running the Pro Chess League. So I'm not sure, I, but then this is so, an outside opinion, it's not an inside yeah. insight, but I, I'm not sure why Petrosian cheating would derail the whole, whole Pro Chess League. So for example, I know that all the Armenians don't want to publicly do anything with chess.com now because they feel that that would be like a sign of disrespect to their country. Yeah who's now accused and they are all doing a, you know, rigid stance of like, no, I didn't cheat. Right. No one's ever admitted on their side that they did anything. Right. You know, even though it was kind of obvious. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if he cheated or not personally. I do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. For you, it's obvious. For me, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, I'll keep going with the topics here. And uh, Kosti, I'll let you take it home and I'll go help out Oh, okay. at All home. Right. So just clicking here, we'll get you to the next sure. one. And the next one, there's probably one or two more. All right, I'll take over. Topics here. All right, well, next up, uh, nationalism and fandom. Another Nepo story. <laughs> so <laughs> this goes back to, I think this was the online Olympiad. Um, when there were some connection issues. Uh, there was, I think it was the final between Russia and India. And mm. during the final, the match was basically tied. Um, but some players on the Indian side got disconnected. And um, 
Russia ended up winning the match, but I would say under kind of dubious uh, circumstances. Like, I think Humpy Canero lost a game, but like she had disconnected for a part of it. And also, I think there's something happened where I think she thought like her teammate had already forfeited or something. So the match was over. So like she didn't really try to like hold the game anymore, although it was like objectively drawn. I forget the exact details. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a big firestorm as well. Unfortunately, I don't remember a ton of detail on it, but it basically was like a Russia versus India thing because then FIDE came out and they, they declared them co-champions. They were like, we're going to nullify the final. Uh, they gave a gold medal to like all the Russian and all the Indian players. And I think a mm. lot of the Russians were upset. And then of course, a lot of the Indians were upset that the Russians were upset. <laughs> like, cause, uh, at the time of like the disconnections, when they started happening, I I'm pretty sure the match was just just tied. It was even. Um, and then recently, yeah, uh, our, our friend Levy got in trouble with the, the country of Indonesia, which I think was another example of how mm -hmm. um, people, yeah, just hear something on the internet and they get uh, make all kinds of assumptions. And I think, I guess the biggest problem with all this is this uh, concept of uh, brigading, which is when fans kind of pile on someone um, without really thinking objectively. And in the, in the Levy case, it was like, you know, this guy, Dua Kipas, who very much seemed like a cheater. Chess.com closed his account. His son posts this like completely fake story about how his dad is like a retired chess player. And a bunch of people bought it and, and totally went after Levy, sending him death threats, all this kind of stuff. I mean, really like really scary stuff. Um, and of course, Levy did like nothing wrong. I mean, <laughs> the guy was cheating. Chess.com closed his account. And that mm. was it. All Levy did was he was streaming at the time. Um, but uh, it didn't stop the internet from uh, from going after him when they when they believed, you know, this this other side of the story. Yeah, and I think another level of nationalism that gets me worked up is just like... Uh, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm probably going to trouble for saying it, but I distrust the Russians, dude. The, the, the head of FIDE is a Putin guy. And dude, the, in other areas of sports, it's been well documented that they're cheating just like maniacs and they don't care. They're kind of proud of it. Um, so there is like some weird stuff going on. And and then the weirdest thing of all, right, is Nepo can't play under his flag, dude. <laughs> he can't play under his flag. <laughs> By the way, I did watch that documentary you mentioned last time, Icarus. Yeah. Fascinating. Very Fascinating. Yeah. The, it, that's a great example of the Russians and the cheating is Icarus's documentary. Amazing. Mind-blowing. If you're interested in sport at all, also just the science of, you know, uh, steroids and all kinds of other drugs that might be used, which, by the way, I've been thinking for years that drugs are going to be used in chess. And personally, I think they're already being used. I don't know how effective they are, but the day is coming when drugs are going to be a prominent uh, part of the chess scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So to be fair, I mean, on this Russia versus India thing, I mean, technically the right. ruling was kind of against Russia because mm -hmm. like they were, if anyone won the match, it can be argued that they did. Um, of course, you know, I'm just wondering, like, why couldn't they just replay the match? Just choose a time and just replay, replay the critical games, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you're right. I mean, 
yeah, we got to have some some brain drugs at some point. They're going to help with chess. Right. Basic question, why can't, uh, from the chat, why can't Neville Planner Slack? So FIDE is trying for years now, has been trying to become an Olympic sport. And the Olympic Committee, because of the Icarus scandal and other Russian scandals, are saying, no, you guys are banned for a while. You guys got to take a break. <laughs> so that's my understanding as to why FIDE is even going along with this and he can't play under his flag. Yeah. Somebody might have a better, more nuanced explanation than that, but that's my basic understanding. I mean, it feels just kind of symbolic to me. We all know Nepo is, is Russian and represents Russia. But, um, I mean, if he wins, what, are, are they not going to say, you know, the world championship is coming home to Russia? Like, <laughs> Well, that's say? where it gets weird, right? Like, you know, I think it is a thing of national pride. And that's the whole thing of the Icarus Project. It's like, say, with American sports, we kind of care. But ultimately, it's like these intramural sports that get us going, like the basketball and the football. We're not interested in the sports with other countries. But like for them, yeah, all these sports, the Olympics and chess, it starts getting really weird. And then the, the lengths you'll go to, you know, to do something weird. I always say, yeah, it freaks me out. Man. Um, mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah, I think it's just. Part of the game, right? And it's always been that way, right? Like the Russians have been cheating a long time in chess. <laughs> They've been cheating for a very long time. It's well documented. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not all of them, but yeah, I know Fisher, yeah. Fisher had a point. He definitely did. <laughs> well, even Zurich 1953, my sensei was definitely, uh, definitely got some boosts, as they say. Some boosts. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I hear there's some, there's some cool stuff in uh, one of the new Sasanko books. So I want to read about that. Yeah, a book uh, I can throw out there. As Suzoka uh, wrote, um, Smyslov on the Couch. Very interesting take on that period. And there's some other new stuff about that, too. Uh, I think there's a whole book about it out there now, too, about Zerk 1953. Anyways, yeah. Let's concentrate on the now, Kostya. Why don't we... We got to talk about you and Lee Chess, buddy. What's your thing? They, <laughs> what's your thing with the Lee Chess, buddy? Okay, I'm glad this topic is, uh, is in here. Definitely my pet, my pet topic. Um, this, uh, die list for anyone wondering, this is short for diehard leeches fans. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, somehow, somehow I've been branded as like the, uh, the chess.com spokesperson or something. Um, I'll tell you how this started. So, uh, this guy, uh, this streamer, Akash, um, nice guy, nothing against him. I, I feel like he, he's totally legitimate, uh, viewpoint and everything. He, he made this like long thread about how Lee Chess is like way better than uh, chess.com. And just like listing all his reasons. And then specifically his point was that like, you know, Lee Chess, which is obviously 100% free, is better than uh, premium chess.com. So even if you pay for chess.com, you still get a better experience on, on Lee Chess. And he had a bunch of points. And one of those points was that like, um, chess.com's videos, which are part of their like premium subscription, um, they're not that good. And you can you can get all the chess content you need on YouTube, and so it's not worth it. And so this was the one point I like quote tweeted and singled out, and I was like, I disagree with this one. <laughs> I think chess.com's videos are good. I think they have like a, thousands of like very instructive videos. Um, and, and they're hundred percent worth it for, for the cost. Even if like the premium subscription came with nothing else 
for like a hundred bucks a year, you get unlimited access to just like more hours of video that you could possibly watch by like very good authors, really instructive lessons. I used to watch these when I was like 18, 1900 and like working my way up. Um, and, and that was the only thing I said, like, that's what I like. And then I got all these responses about how chess.com UI sucks. Lee chess is so much better. Chess.com is slow. The board sucks. Like all these things are better on Lee chess. Nothing to do with anything I'd mentioned, <laughs> but just all this stuff about the site. And uh, I made the mistake of responding to some of it. And I said something like, you know, I don't mind the chess.com interface. That's what I said. Like, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, to me, it's just a chessboard. Like, uh, I'd happily, I've played on Lee Chess. It's, it's no problem. I've even, like, done uh, work for Lee Chess. Like, I'm one of the few people they've actually paid for videos for their YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, oh, and in my video where I, like, reviewed all the different sites, um, how should you spend your money on chess? I mentioned Lee Chess. And here's what I said. I said it's, like, 100% free site. Everyone loves Lee Chess. That's what I said. And uh, I mentioned that if you use the site, you should consider like donating and supporting it. So that's what I, that was my big criticism of Lee Chess. There was no criticism at all. <laughs> and somehow, <laughs> somehow I got caught up in this drama. I think it goes back to the chess subreddit. I think it's a big thing there that has now spilled over into Twitter. But on, on the chess subreddit, mm. there have been like just constant arguments like chess.com versus Lee Chess, which site is better, all this stuff. Both sides have their points. I don't really care. I think both sides are great. I think Chess24 is cool too. I think they have some good stuff. I think Chessable is all right. <laughs> Honestly, I like all the sites. And um, and uh, yeah, so somehow uh, whenever Chess.com does anything, uh, all these people kind of come out of the woodwork and they just like fire at them. And then I get tagged at some point. Um, the one time I really got into it with the Lee Chess folk was someone on Twitter uh, tweeted at another streamer. I think it was um, Anna Maya. She said something about how she's going to be streaming on chess.com. She's been a chess.com streamer for like a year, right? Um, and she just tweeted something. And then, and then someone tweeted at her just like super insulting, just like, what the F is wrong with you? Like, why are you like shilling for chess.com? Something like that. Just really, really rude out of nowhere. And, and this is a guy I'd interacted with before on Twitter. And I think he's like generally a pretty nice person and just like lays into her for no reason at all. So like I quote tweeted him and I'm like, what is Leech has doing to drive people crazy like this? <laughs> big mistake, big mistake. Cause then I got like a hundred responses. Like Leech has isn't doing anything. <laughs> all of these like Leech defenders just like going after me. And yeah. So uh, basically, uh, yeah, I wish uh, I, I never got involved. Uh, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to say. Kostya, blink twice if chess.com is holding you hostage. <laughs> Look, all I wanted to say is that Gregory Kaidanov has made some good videos. Your Malinsky uh -huh. has made some good videos. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. You and David have made some great videos. Melek, <laughs> Dion Boykov, like Shanklin, some good videos on chess.com. All I wanted to say, you guys are free to play on whatever site you want. Uh, it's not important to me. And I'll just say there's plenty of stuff that chess.com uh, can be criticized for. People are always asking me like, oh, why don't you criticize chess.com for anything? Like, I don't do a lot of criticism on Twitter. 
I don't really take Twitter that seriously. I try to keep it positive. Uh, but there's tons of stuff that I don't like uh, about the site. Um, one thing I'll mention just because it's uh, off the top of my head, um, this thing they do when they like forfeit someone if they don't make a move in like the first 30 seconds, very bad. I wish they would not do that, <laughs> especially for like longer time control games where like, you know, if you play like a 45 minute game and you start thinking on move two, there's a chance your game will get uh, aborted by the server, um, which I think is not a great policy. I really wish they would just uh, do away with that. Um, there's other stuff that, yeah, you can uh, criticize them for. Um, but yeah, I've never really been involved in like the discussion chess.com versus leeches. I think both sites are great. You've definitely been involved, buddy. You I've been involved, but I mean, I've never, <laughs> I've never once like tried to tell people like, oh, you should point out chess.com. Not once. Honestly, I recommend leeches studies like just as much as I recommend chess.com videos. I think leeches studies is like one of the best tools out there, like paid or non-paid. Um, every time I do a video about chess space, I always mention that like, if you don't want to pay for chess space, Lee chess studies are like pretty much just as good. They get you like 99% of like what you would want to do. So yeah, I think it's very unfair. <laughs> you get, that's the thing with Twitter. You get sucked in and then you think it's unfair, but I no, do, it's, I it's, it's, it's your mistake getting sucked in. I wish I was better at avoiding it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I can improve for sure. Okay. Well, Kosu, we wrapping this thing up, buddy? Sure. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on chess.com, Lee Chess? Have you ever played on Lee Chess? A little bit. You know, I, I'm so old, as you know, Kosu, that it's hard for me to learn new software. And so, like, you know, I have a lot of students that play on Lee Chess and just like grabbing the game is sometimes a real pain. And so, Leave cost you and it does Twitter. certain things that annoy me, and I don't know how to go around it. So I'm like, just I'm not a boomer, but I feel like a boomer out there. I'm like, oh, I can't navigate this site. And the same thing happens to me when I do other sites. And so, the only thing for me with chess.com is I kind of know how to navigate it. Even then, I don't always know how to navigate it. I feel like all three of those sites are pushing each other, and ultimately, they're going to be kind of the same. They hate to hear that, but they will ultimately be kind of the same, just the way different, say, bike brands will be kind of the same, even, and they're going to be, because they're pushing themselves through competition. And I think Chess24 in the next couple of years really is going to push both of the other sites too. I don't think it's just going to be Chess that conversely Chess. I think Chess24 is going to really go for it. So, yeah, I think it's ultimately, it's great for everybody that you have competition driving both the prices down and the value up. So those are my basic thoughts there. Cool. Um, yeah, as soon as Chess24, as soon as they like fix their, their board, I think they're going to be a great, a great yeah. site. Mm -hmm. uh, totally agree. All right, guys. I think that's all we have for uh, today. And because I said it earlier, here we go, Kostya. Hey, if you're not following us, give us a follow, man. <laughs> if you're not subscribed, give us a subscribe. It's worth at least 15 rating points, right, Kostya? Maybe 20. Maybe 20 points right away you get if you subscribe. Yeah, I would say each one of our streams and videos is worth a couple of rating points. Sharing it uh, definitely acts as a oh, multiplier. That's right. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we appreciate everyone uh, for all the support. And um, yeah, we'll catch you guys. Uh, catch you guys next time. All right. Bye, everybody.